Ladies and germs, welcome to uh, another episode of Analyzing Annabelle with your boys who love toys, Eric and Jeremy. My name's Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Welcome to the show that delves deep into all things hands grabbing arms. Hands grabbing arms, arms getting grabbed by hands. We cover it all, folks. Yeah. That was my biggest takeaway from the movie Annabelle, by the way, is a lot of uh, films feature hands grabbing people's arms. What other films feature hands grabbing people's arms? I believe this trope, this trend, started with the film Carrie. I believe right. that's true. Okay. Yeah, but I, th- I, I could be wrong. There could be a... Yeah. That could be referencing another film. I don't know. But I feel like it's in almost every horror film. It's just somebody's reaching for something... And their arm gets grabbed by a hand. Yeah, I would say it's like an act one scare that comes up a lot where it's it like turns out to be like one of the other characters' hands. Mm-hmm. But it's like a it's like a nor a classic jump scare. Yeah. Setup. Oh, good call. It is normally a fake out, huh? Or sometimes it can be a fake out. A little switcheroo. Yeah. It's yeah. often a switcheroo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. often a parent trap <laughs> situation. <laughs> Yeah, what is your favorite ar- uh, hand grabbing arms uh, scene, Eric? I I'm struggling to think of one example, although I've know that I've seen many of them. I, I, can you think of any other examples? I can't, I mean, the only one that's coming to mind immediately is actually, I guess, making fun of Carrie, and it's in Adam's Family Values. Okay. Where at the very end, um, Christina Ricci's camp boyfriend is like putting a flower down on. Debbie, Debbie's grave, right? Played by Joan Cusack, and when he puts it down, and her, her arm bursts through the through the soil and grabs his arm, and he screams, and Wednesday Adams just smiles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those man. are those are great films, by that. the way. Those Adams Family movies. Yeah, I, I think I the one that I watched a lot when I was a kid is I think is there one that's just called the Adams Family. Yeah, there's Adam's Family and then Adam's Family Values is the second okay. film, which I be- I think is is better than the first film, but they're both yeah. great. Yeah. The first one is the one that I that I had a VHS of when I was a child and uh Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So Jeremy, h- how are you doing? Our 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 review of uh of the uh 2019 Child's Play is out there in the atmosphere. <laughs> um, I kind of put out a poll on Twitter just to gauge what people expected us to review it as. And uh I think a lot of people anticipated us to not love it um necessarily and uh I just want to hear your thoughts. What do you uh have you, has your opinion of the film changed? now over a week out from seeing it (laughs) no eric it has not (laughs) yeah (laughs) not even not even a the smallest bit also in that poll overwhelmingly people were like it gets a one to two and a half freckle yeah yeah it's not Um, good so i don't know also there is something about those other child's play films that makes me kind of like i don't know i think about them longer after they're over i kind of go Hey, you know, curse. Was curse really that bad? You know, or cult. Was it really that good? You know, I'm like kind of like mulling yeah. it over. Th- that film 
Child's Play 2019, it, I, it washed over me like a meditation practice, just like a, a fleeting thought that could not be captured. <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't really thought about it too much. It's, it's like I've mentioned in all of the previous episodes. I just consider it like a different thing than... Uh, than the original seven films. It's just like a, a wholly new entity um, yeah. that I, is associated with the franchise, but not necessarily a part of it, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, if you're listening to this episode, um, then you are well aware that we are out of the Child's Play franchise. We have to be. There's no, there's no more films. <laughs> there's no more films to, to discuss. So now we are off to... Uh, Toys to Life or Chucky adjacent films. Uh, you might have uh, already listened to Bound, which is an uh, yes. episode that sh- should have come out before this one. And then, of yep. course, this one's going to be Annabelle. Is there any between Bound and Annabelle that are going to go up on the on the main? No, feed? no. I think we're going to do Bound, Annabelle, and then you recommended uh, two films that look uh, very fun to cover. One was <laughs> Pinocchio, uh, and uh, the the other one was. Uh, I can't remember. Dolly Dearest. (laughs) Dolly Dearest. Both of them look very entertaining. I'm down for either of them or both. Yeah. It's up to you. They are not even B-tier horror films. I would consider these C or D-tier horror films. Uh, And Dolly Dearest, I believe, is a direct ripoff of Child's Play. Like, it came out (laughs) in the same time frame, clearly just trying to cash in on the Child's Play success. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe we should do that one then. That's 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 interesting. Um, but yeah, if you um, if you are thirsty for more uh, <laughs> child's play related <laughs> content, uh, sign on up for the Patreon. We we have for our five dollar tier, the seed of Chucky tier. We have of course have our weekly bonus episodes. You get the whole backlog. We've gone through uh, an episode of the X Files, episode of the Twilight Zone, Rugrats. Uh, we've read excerpts from the, uh, novelization of Child's Play 2. Uh, <laughs> we recently had Jordan Haas on an episode, which was very fun. We talked about Chucky on WCW and SNL and mm-hmm. <laughs> all those like weird cameos cool that he's done over the years. Yeah. yeah. That was a good time. That um, was a good time. So you can get all that shit for $5 a month. And, uh, we of course have other options over on our Patreon. Just search patreon.com chat about Chucky. Jeremy, h- how are you doing in general, my man? Oh, brother, I'm doing pretty good. I um, literally just saw credits on Annabelle. I mean, I, it was kind of down to the wire getting the whole film taken down so I could make it on this podcast. And And believe you me, had I not finished that film... I would have got come on the show and pretended I did. <laughs> Are there any films in the past that you have done that for? Have done that for? Oh, let me let me think. Let me go through them. <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, no. Actually, no. Child's Play Two. No, I finished that one. I'm just, you know what? Yeah, Child's Play One and Two. I just that was pre my DVD box set of them. So I was thinking maybe yeah. I did it with Child's Play 2, but no, I finished it. I, m- I remember that film. I remember the credits. Uh, but, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I haven't done it yet. Have you? <laughs> no, I haven't watched the film yet. Were we supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I love about this is I we get these 
two different perspectives because I typically watch the films pr- pretty much right away because uh, I have nothing going on in my life, and 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 you watch them like immediately before we record, right? So, yeah, I'm. I'm just you like, actually have a better uh, memory <laughs> of of the things that go on in these movies. Yeah, I think it was only during Cult of Chucky did it did it really like did it really stand out to me that like oh wow Eric must have watched this a week ago because he is yeah. kind of but but also like. It's not because I'm so busy or I have a lot going on. It's because I'm a huge procrastinator. I have plenty of time. Right. I just, you know, I, I I phone everything in until the last minute, or I wait to the last minute to then phone it in. Anyways, I'm right. ha- I'm having a Shiner Bach right now, my dude. And if, for anybody who's in the South listening, any of my South listeners, part- particularly Texas, Shiner Bach is a staple uh, local brew that they have there. Uh, and it's very hard to find. And I found this little place, a little beer store in Los Angeles that sells Shiner Box. So I'm enjoying one of those. It tastes just like home. Jeremy, I wasn't sure if you were going to be sipping down on a cold brew for this one. And I am actually, uh, since I am in uh, a, a garage right now, I'm in walking distance of a refrigerator. And mm-hmm. um, bear with me. I have to take my headphones out. But I am going to live on air walk over to the refrigerator. <laughs> Choose a select a beverage and uh, open it and and proceed to drink it throughout the episode. So uh, just just fill some fill some uh, dead air for me for for a moment while I walk over to this ice cold fridge. You got it, Big Daddy. Okay, fill dead air, fill dead air. Let's see. Well, I guess I could talk. Okay, about I can't hear anything, but I'm um, opening the refrigerator right now. Okay, good. Plenty of options. A little, uh, little time. Okay, good. Keep going. Talk. Opting for a can, a cool can of, okay, of beer. Can. Can I go for a bottle? I have no idea what Jeremy's saying right now because I took my headphones Probably out. Not a can. I would. Um, and placing my headphone back in my ear. Jeremy, can yes, you hear me? I can. Hello. Welcome okay, back. Okay. What did I miss? Oh man, so much. I basically finished the Child's Play two novel. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. We had but like 400 <laughs> pages to go. Yeah, I, saw, I read them while you were getting a beer. You know what? It, it actually right. ends differently. Chucky wins. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I am drinking, and I, I am so proud of this. this. This is a beer that you can only get in Wisconsin. It's called a Spotted Cow. Ooh. Uh, it's a very good pale ale. I, I, wish, I wish to God you could try this, Jeremy, but you literally cannot buy it outside of the state of Wisconsin, uh, which is one of the things I love about it. It's also just delicious. Uh, and if you listen to this, this crisp, the, the, the crisp sound of these hops as I open this can. <laughs> That's the kind of sound you get with a spotted wow. cow. I love that we're both drinking authentic local brews from our <laughs> from our own home states, home, home yeah. states yeah i just i'm not in my home state right now but we'll be very soon which reminds me eric how is your trip so far how's hanging out with the rents it's been good my man i've been uh you know i've just i've just been we're we're up here the the place i'm staying at is on a lake we're just Bumming around, doing boat rides every day, uh, drinking a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Wisconsin does alcohol like very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I had some brandy old fashions today, uh, mm. and uh, hung out on a boat. It's just a—I mean, your classic relaxation vac- vacation, Jeremy. Yeah, just what, a how? family full of alcoholics. That sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not at all. We we, we <laughs> like to we like to unwind, but we're uh, you know we we're more the type to uh, to uh, have a couple of beers and 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 just read quietly amongst each other. And Jeremy, I've been reading uh, this this. <laughs> It's definitely not like a good vacation book choice, but I've been reading In Cold Blood by <laughs> Truman Capote. <laughs> nice. How is that as a read? Really, really good. Um, depressing is all hell, but the man, uh, the man has a way with words. First Capote I've ever read, so it's kind of exciting. Yeah, he was quite a personality. I often will get drunk and look up you know, Friars Club roasts featuring Truman Capote, just roasting the hell out of a young Frank Sinatra. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. He's he's pretty sharp. And, you know, that film Capote is so good, but it doesn't really do Truman Capote justice. Like, you don't get a sense of... It's telling you a type of Truman Capote. I, I'm guessing it's like the real Truman Capote, like how he was behind closed doors, not out in public. But if you look at his interviews, his like television interviews, he's a complete. He's a he's a an animal. He's a monster. He's like this quick witted, sharp. Uh, I don't know. He kind of reminds me of like a David Sedaris or something, or but even more like animated than that, like a Martin Short. He's very funny. Yeah, I have not seen that movie yet. I'm really interested to watch it now. Uh, I, I mean, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman, and uh, Catherine Keener is great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't... Uh, so you would recommend that film, Jeremy? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. It, it's an okay. excellent film. But again, it it portrays him maybe just at that time of his life when he was pretty melancholy and doing hard research for this book. And... I, I, I think that, again, that doesn't really give you a, a holistic picture of Truman Capote, who was oftentimes known for being a party animal, known for being a real hoot, right. a real gas. Yeah. 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 Well, Jeremy, this is, of course, not uh, cordially conversing about uh, Capote. <laughs> this is, uh, this is what did I say? Analyzing Annabelle? Yeah. Analyzing Annabelle. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we are, of course, talking about the 2014 supernatural horror film Annabelle, uh, directed by John R. Leonetti. 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 Uh, written by Gary Doberman, uh, <laughs> produced by uh, Peter Safran and James Wan, who James Wan is uh, the the Conjuring guy, right? I think he directed the Conjuring. Um, have you seen the first Conjuring, Jeremy? I have, I believe. I now I'm second guessing myself, but I believe I have. Yeah, yeah. The Conjuring came out ar- around a time where I was kind of like started to get a little burnt out with just modern horror movies. And The Conjuring was one where I was like, oh man, this was actually like very scary and and good from from my recollection. Yeah, it's got good direction, right? It's like uh, you were explaining it on a different episode where I think we were talking about Hereditary and you were kind of linking those together with like films that like, don't cut super fast. Like they kind of just hang on certain shots. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I like that style for sure. Yes. James Wan is good. Yeah, I think I so. I, I think I could, I think, I think he is good. He's also directed like a, a fast and the furious movie, right? Oh really? Is I, that wrong? I, I have no idea. 
Is that is that wrong? It might be wrong. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But I feel like yeah. He, or no, it's a Star Trek movie he directed. No, he directed uh, Furious Seven. Okay. He directed Saw, the original. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Insidious, which people love. I think it's that's okay. a good one. Yep. Uh, I was wrong about. Am I wrong about Star Trek? I don't know. Anyways, this isn't really interesting. Uh, I think I'm wrong about Star Trek. But uh, yeah, he directs a lot of horror films, and a lot, but uh, like action horror films. He directed Aquaman. Um, yeah, he's good. He's good. People like him. I like him. The man has been around a camera. That's sure. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. I, yeah. We can say that pretty positively. 95% chance. Yeah. So composer Joseph Bishara was, did the music for uh, this Annabelle film. Uh, so this is a prequel uh, to 2013's film uh, The Conjuring uh, and the second installment in the, in the uh, Conjuring universe. So this came out like a year, uh, maybe even a little less than a year after The Conjuring. Um, cause from what I remember, the Conjuring was a pretty decent success for a horror film, uh, as far as box office numbers go. Um, yeah. yeah. Can I just say as somebody who, you know, has been following the child's play franchise very closely for the last 10 weeks or so, yes. uh, it is shocking to me how much, um, I guess the budget for each one of these films was and how much they made back compared to like it's the crazy play yeah franchise. the conjuring was a 20 million dollar budget and it made back 319 million dollars that's jesus amazing this film was a had a six million dollar budget and uh brought back 257 million and then the follow-up to this annabelle film is the prequel to annabelle um, which uh, was similar. I think it was like a $10 million budget brought back 300 something million. I mean, they're just, these are, you can see why these films keep getting made. Cause someone on yeah. the outside like me looks at them and goes, who cares? Who's going to see this movie? Well, a lot of people are. <laughs> right. This is one of those movies where I, I, I would love to know how this kind of thing works. Cause I, I don't, I, I never, in my time living in Hollywood, I never like worked in, in like big budget film before, but I would love to know how this works. Cause they, they, they definitely saw the success of the conjuring and were very quickly like, let's do, let's do another one. Yeah. Um, and at, somewhere along the way they decided instead of doing a sequel right away, they wanted to do this like prequel. That's, related to it's in the conjuring universe but it's like a totally different thing um it's interesting to me i can't think of like another franchise another film franchise that does this especially with the very second movie like one year later yeah like they started building this universe immediately i do love the idea of a horror film universe that is cool and it's all linked by the Warrens, who are partic- are very interesting. I mean, it's yes. it's not it's no secret that these these weirdos this this weird weirdo married couple um is just they're just cool. Like 
I just want to know more yeah. about him. I want to see more films about him. I think the casting is great for the Warrens. It's Patrick Wilson and Vera Farminga who are just great to look at and have great on-screen chemistry. They're really cool. They like do, it, yeah. it's it's like yeah, I don't know. Um but you know, I think I think that yeah, there's just not a lot of room for failure here. Like it's it's just if you put a good director in with a based on a true story sort of psych psychic uh, thriller, ghost psychic thriller, uh, and then you just kind of keep making films in that universe, it's sort of like I don't know. It reminds me of like Ghostbusters or something. It's like it's like it's like cool. You get into it almost like they're action figures or action heroes. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I the the only movies I've I've seen Annabelle the Conjuring. I think the second Conjuring and The Nun. Um, the Nun is really, really bad. The Nun is like up there with maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> is that in this universe? I believe it is, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, good. It's really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do also love the idea of th- them like building this universe because, again, I can't think of another horror movie... There's obviously franchises that do these sequels, but as far as just like creating a universe, it's like, I, I mean, they, it was a really smart move because they opened uh, opened the franchise up to a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- uh, this was on the wiki. So the backsta- Backstage.com said that the film was one of the first... Uh, and a new strategy by distri- uh, distributors Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema uh, that capitalizes on the built-in fan base for successful films, allowing for smaller budgets and production time uh, with a bigger payout on the back end. So, right. yeah, I mean, that this film is like a classic example of that because it, it was a budget of $6.5 million, which is far less than half of the Conjuring budget, but it's still mm-hmm. made back over two hundred and fifty million. Yeah, I mean, what percent is that? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. That, what <laughs> percent know. is that on your yeah. return? You know, it's like it's un, it's insane. Six million too. It's like, you know, they could have lost six million dollars and not even smelt it. You, you right. know what I mean? Like that's that's no risk, high reward. These guys, who who's who's yeah. running the show over there at Warner Brothers, huh? I mean, I've definitely dropped six million dollars on the ground and like didn't smell it at all. No, I was <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows it's hard that to smell I, money. I, yeah, exactly. And, and and everyone knows I when I lose things, I, the only way I can find them again is through my nose. <laughs> yeah, you're a dog. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the film was shot in uh, Southern California, Jeremy. That is the state of California, but the uh, lower part of it. Thank um, you. It is a 55-member uh, crew shot for several days. Uh, oh, okay, this was this was like so it was shot in various places, but uh, this was the part that I found interesting. A 55-member crew shot for several days at an apartment in LA County, and the director uh, Lanetti and producer uh, Safran told reporters that the set was haunted. And that they thought supernatural phenomena had incur- uh, occurred there. So this is the, um, I believe, the apartment building that the uh, the family moves to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which and, and does is, look spooky. <laughs> it does. But this is also a really cool case of the production team straight up lying to <laughs> reporters to get some buzz generating around their low-budget horror yeah. film. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I could buy it. Like, I mean, I'm. what do you, Jeremy, we should, we should actually have maybe covered this earlier on what is your uh like thoughts on the supernatural have you any had without going into like in-depth stories unless you have a good one do yeah. you, what do you what are your feelings on like the supernatural um it, 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 it's incredibly triggering for me the supernatural i grew up super religious um i grew up in southern california very religious and then moved to texas when i was in middle school where i grew up even more religious and it was ingrained within me from a young age that the uh, demonic powers were real and they were all around us. And to add to the, like, I guess, what would you call that? To add to the insanity of all that, I also had night terrors. So it was like really convincing to me as a little child that uh, these night terrors were like hauntings or demons. I more, I think I'm more inclined to believe in such things as demons than I am d- ghosts. So when it comes to supernatural things, I I lean more towards a, a demonic presence than I would like uh, a ghost of a of a once living human being. And I gotta say, Eric, despite all of the evidence pointing <laughs> the opposite direction, uh, you, you what what's instilled from you at birth kind of sticks with you for the rest of your life. There's still a little yeah. part of me that kind of believes like. I think I think there's uh I think there's a demon around here somewhere. That's why I'm feeling sick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um yeah, I I I also have like a, a religious up had a religious upbringing. I think maybe a little less intense than you. Um but I I have always um I've always been very open to uh the idea of like supernatural stuff like ghosts and things like that. Um when I hear stories from friends or acquaintances uh related to the supernatural, my my inclination is to believe them. Um I think that there's uh I think that people like sh- skeptics will shrug off uh, ghost stories as like the the mind playing tricks on someone, right? Um, and I actually think that that's part of it. I think that that's like uh, it, that that's like a like an element to it that uh, doesn't necessarily make it less of a real thing in a weird way. I I've I've never had a personal like one hundred percent like ghost story happened to me like i i could i i'm struggling to think of a moment in my life Mm -hmm. where i could be like this is like a good ghost story that's actually happened to me that i could tell you about right well there Um, was that time that you shit your pants remember but then like it was probably a ghost that did it (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah that was a few times well yeah (laughs) i i mean i obviously have the ghost that shits my pants every once in a while when i'm nervous but i'm I'm actually glad uh, we're talking about this eric because um this is something that we probably should have gotten we should have yeah like gotten to straight away is kind of where we how how we feel about hauntings and murders and 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 energies i i actually love the 
explanation of energy because I actually do feel in real life, like when somebody's anxious, it makes you anxious, you know, like, yeah, like people's energies are con- infectious and contagious yes. and they can, and you can, they can jump from body to body. So if that's true, man, and, and if we can call that an element of that spirituality, then I, you know, a death or, or some sort of crazy mishap uh, could leave behind an energy that I believe could stay with a location for a long time, you know? Plus, right. plus, plus Agreed. you're right, tricks of the mind and, you know, uh, we've all we've all eaten a raw bit of cheese that has made us hallucinate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Every time I've hallucinated, it's been from a raw bit of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i by the way if anyone's looking for raw bits of cheese i know a guy yeah um yeah if you're going to a, a dead and company concert <laughs> uh, let me know jeremy I, I i will say that i i am someone who's actually been searching for a paranormal experience and i part of me doesn't want it to happen but i i kind of do because I've I've been so open to the uh, idea of of the paranormal that I wouldn't mind an experience happening. So I to validate my my feelings about it. Right. Um. There are two instances, uh, in which if anything was going to happen, it would have. One was, uh, I was doing a Ouija board in like a essentially a haunted house with an ex girlfriend, and. I was asking it like very serious questions like how will I die and stuff like that and nothing uh, happened. Um, There was another instance uh, when I was at college, there was a a cafe slash bar that I hung out at like every day and it used to be this old mechanic... uh, uh, mechanic uh what would it be called uh, whatever a, bu- a building that a mechanic operates out of and it was like a over a hundred year old building and i had spoken to like most of the people that worked at this place when it was a cafe and they all had individual ghost stories and i found myself alone in the middle of the night in this cafe with all of the lights shut off except for one lamp for maybe 10 minutes and mind you everyone that i know that worked at this place had told me stories about like after hours uh spooky happenings mm-hmm. and nothing happened um so i i i'm i'm i i hesitate to say that because now i think something like terrifying is going to happen to me but uh i've always been like very receptive to the to the idea of the paranormal that's so interesting because I also had a theory that that kind of squashes, which was that like people who are already open to spirituality will experience spirituality, whereas people who are obviously cut off from it will not will not be privy to that sort of thing. And that kind of that kind that theory was kind of like going back to like biblical principles of like you know like things will be revealed to those who are open or believe, you know, stuff like that. But, right. but in your case, totally untrue. You're, you're sitting here going, please all anything. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll buy into whatever weird shit you throw at yeah. me universe. And then maybe it was, nothing. you know, fear versus excitement. Like, I think it was more of a, like a, in anticipation for me rather than like, 
Um, I don't think it's going to happen unless you're like maybe genuinely scared or something. I don't know. Right. Or like oblivious, but yeah. Yeah, interesting. I do know that uh, in the United States and in more, this is going to sound maybe terrible, but in more like where, I don't know, uh, in more educated areas of the world, you see, uh, you hear a lot less spiritual type stories or stories that involve demons and and uh and ghosts than you do in places in the, in the world that are a little bit less uh i don't know ed- educated that have l- less of an edu- a focus on education so like uh, i know that like in places like central america and uh in like the kind of deeper parts of africa you'll have like all kinds of like you'll have all kinds of stories and rituals and and things that conjure up blah 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 that supposedly heal or curse and uh and those things are very real to those people in those areas and it affects their daily lives and they are mm-hmm. and it is something that they are is just common knowledge that they just walk around with you know like oh yeah, yeah my grandpa turned into a goat that's what happened <laughs> and they believe that and then and that's something they believe in it's like who the hell am i to say that's not what happened or you know yeah. this miracle didn't happen right right so annabelle <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was but this is good you bring this up because this is what this whole movie is about so right exactly um so it was inspired by a story of a doll named annabelle told by ed and lorraine warren in the first conjuring and you did you mention there this is kind of based on a an actual thing so i wish we could go uh do a whole episode on ed and lorraine warren because they're very interesting people they're demonologists they are real people yes they are real people uh that are uh, they call themselves paranormal investigators or demonologists so basically exactly what the film sort of uh shows them as is what they kind of like (laughs) They kind of proselytized that themselves. They okay. had in their house uh, an occult museum in their house in Connecticut. And in this museum, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren kept a number of haunted items and haunted totems and demonic things, books, charms, blah, 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 whatever. And one of those things was a Raggedy Ann doll um, that they had in a glass case that you can see on Wikipedia. If you go to the the Annabelle doll page, you can see a picture, an actual photo of it. Um, I believe the sign on it says, warning, positively, do not touch. <laughs> okay. Uh, do not open, I think is what it says. And uh, I'll just read a little bit from the Wikipedia page of the doll. According to oh, the Warren, that is terrifying. I, I'm looking at it right now. It's also kind of a grainy photo of it. Like you can actually see less scary photos if you go into Google. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that one just happens to be a terrifying picture of it. According to the Warrens, a student nurse was given the Raggedy Ann doll in 1968. They say the doll behaved strangely and that, the, and, that the, and that a psychic medium told the student that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a dead girl named Annabelle. They say that the student and her roommate tried to accept and nurture the spirit possessed doll, but the doll reportedly exhibited malicious and frightening behavior. It was at this point that the Warrens say they were first contacted and that they removed the the doll to their museum after pronouncing it demonically possessed. Uh, TC, uh, a uh, a TSU assistant professor of religious studies, Joseph Laylock, Laycock says most skeptics have dismissed the Worms museum 
as full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk, dolls and toys, books you could buy at a book at any bookstore. Laycock calls the Annabelle legend an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and and paranormal folklore and speculates that the demonic doll trope popularized uh, by films such as Child's Play, Dolly Dearest, and The Conjuring likely emerged from early legends surrounding Robert the Doll as well as the Twilight Zone episode entitled Living Doll. See, Eric, it's all coming back around. Interesting. Laycock suggests that the idea of demonically possessed dolls allows modern uh, demonologists to find supernatural evil in the most banal and domestic of places. I'm almost done. Commenting on publicity for the Warren's Occult Museum, coinciding with the film release of The Conjuring, science writer Sharon A. Hill said that many of the myths and legends surrounding the Warrens have been seemingly uh, have seemingly been of their own doing. And huh. that many people have uh, a difficulty separating the Warrens from their Hollywood portrayal. Hill criticized sensational press coverage of the Warrens Occult Museum and its Annabelle doll. She said, "Like real life Ed Warren, real life Annabelle is actually far less far less impressive." Of the supernatural claims made about Annabelle and uh, by An- uh, about Annabelle by Ed Warren, Hill said, "We have nothing but Ed's word for this, and also for the history and origins of the objects in the museum." So, basically, people don't want to believe it. <laughs> they don't buy yeah. it. They're not. They're not. They're not picking up what the Warrens are putting down. Does that mean that the Warrens are wrong? I don't. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I think with this kind of stuff, it's uh, you know, I, I mean, there's people. Uh, it's there's this perception that you have to be on like one side or the other, and right. Uh, I feel like I kind of fall more in the middle of, of, of this kind of stuff. And I like to, uh, I, I think that if you're someone who, who is like listening to this podcast and you, and you like horror movies, you're probably open to that, to that kind of thing. And if you're not, uh, I don't know, it's more fun if you are like, it's more fun (laughs) to be (laughs) like, it's more fun and, uh, you know, scary, I guess, uh, depending on, uh, what, what kind of person you are, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would, I would love to check out the little like museum that they have in, in the Warren. Does does that, are the Warrens still alive? I do not believe so. No, I don't believe Ed and Lorraine Warren are still alive because like this film, Annabelle, which takes place somewhere in the sixties, I believe. Um, yeah, that's, that is also, yeah, that is also kind of when Ed and Lorraine, Warren were were popular, right? Okay. Although Lorraine Warren turns out she died recently. She died in April eighteenth, twenty nineteen. Huh. So Ed died in two thousand six, and then she died a little bit later. Uh, yeah. So uh, a ton of films have been based on um their uh, based on them. Jeez, like Amityville, Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. Is that's like a, a good one yeah it's like a film that's kind of set in the conjuring quote-unquote universe because right like these are just like i guess spin-offs and side stories and little bits and tropes that kind of came from jeremy yeah. what do you think the odds are of uh an entire universe of films being based on us <laughs> I think the odds are high. Two okay. lonely male, white male podcasters yeah. <laughs> podcasting from thousands of miles apart. 
uh, end up solving murder cases? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Mark Marin got three seasons on IFC. I think we can do something. Gosh, man. Um, if we made a show, it'd be so much better than that show. <laughs> that show was so, such a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the cast includes... So the lead in this, Mia Form, is uh, uh, Annabelle Wallace is her name. So her wow. name is Annabelle. Wow. Uh, Ward Horton as John Form. Uh, Alfred Woodward as... Or wait, Alfrey Woodward as Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tony Amendola as Father Perez. Um, so there's a prequel, uh, that was released in 2017, uh, called Annabelle Creation and a sequel just came out, um, same weekend as Child's Play, uh, called Annabelle Comes Home. Um, yeah. 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 So I think we're just going to be covering this one. Is that correct, Jeremy? I, here's the thing. I was going to propose that we covered both until I found out there was a middle one that came out two years ago. Yeah. Now that's I'm like, thing. no, we're not three doing is a lot. Three. Yeah. Cause that's I mean, like, that, yeah. that's like, we're doing a whole rebrand and just doing like the Annabelle podcast. Or and at that Anna, point, yeah, we, yeah, podcast. right. And at that point we might as well do the, oh, the whole conjuring series of, films, right. Right. You know? And it's like, I don't, especially after watching Annabelle, not trying to spoil how I felt about it, but uh, especially after watching it, I was not excited to then immediately turn on the next one. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the purpose of this is we're, we're kind of like doing these movies in um, perspective of like two guys who really like Chucky and just watch the Chucky films. And we're kind of like analyzing it, it from the, from the guys of like, we want to know like how other people d- pull off the toy to life kind of thing. So, yeah. So yeah. So I think we'll just be doing this one Annabelle, uh, but Jeremy, we're going to go through the plot. Um, I'm going to do like maybe a, a slightly accelerated version, but uh, feel free to stop me uh, if I, when I certainly will miss uh, some important moments. You got it. So uh, we open on uh, uh, so we open Wait, on something Eric, and Eric, then <laughs> I was gonna do a bit where I say the opening and then I say and then the end credits happen. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I fucked that up. Hey, uh, we but both it was had all good bits. It, it was all in service. Well, it was also all in service to be like, did you want to do the what were we doing in 2014? Oh, should we? We can if you'd like. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we can, I mean, we can <laughs> yeah, briefly do it. do it. We don't have to like yeah, why the spend hell not? A, an hour on it, but yeah. Yeah, 2014 was the year that um the uh aforementioned uh 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 what, what was I talking about? Oh, the cafe experience. This haunted uh cafe. Oh, great. I was yeah, in my yeah, college yeah. town. Um yeah, I was living in uh Menominee, Wisconsin, which is a small a college town in western Wisconsin, a beautiful place. Um, yeah, it kicked ass. That was like the around the time that I learned screenwriting, and I was like, I had gone back to college. Um, I had like met a, a, a girl that I was really into that like told me uh, to watch Twin Peaks. So I started watching Twin Peaks just so I would have something to like talk to this girl about. And then uh, (laughs) immediately like there was a winter break where I wrote 
It was a one month long winter break from school and I I worked at this library during the day and there was no one there because it was the college library and it was break. So I spent the whole time working, uh, writing a screenplay. Uh, and then at night I would go home and watch like three or four episodes of Twin Peaks. And oh, it was like awesome. the best, one of the best months of my life. Cause I, I like had in this one month I had like completed a screenplay and uh, watched all of Twin Peaks. Dad, um, that's amazing. That is I a hot year. <laughs> there was just this like insane blizzard. It was like a polar vortex is what they called it. It was like one of the coldest times in recent history. Um, but yeah, that's that's what comes to mind for 2014 for me. What are you about? What about you, Jeremy? What were you up to? Uh, 2014 was the year of me doing comedy. It was like the the year I started in 2013, but I really didn't get going until the beginning. I mean literally like January 2014 and I worked my ass off at stand-up comedy and I got really really good at it. <laughs> like I I ended up uh competing in a funniest comics in Texas competition uh by the end, by the end of 2014 and like coming in a very high like ranking very high in that it was a it was a great year for comedy it was the year that i that made me go like all right this is what this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life i had a i had a i had a i had a blast um uh that's why that year is important for me what kind of material were you doing oh man it was all like uh you know it was all just modeled after all my favorites it was just storytelling type stuff yeah I, I, i didn't know how to write a joke yet arguably i still don't but I I definitely know now it's like setups and punchlines. And I think what people thought was so funny with what I was writing before was just, I guess, the way I was telling a story. They thought was, that was good. Yeah. I don't know. But it was sort of like modeled after, you know, bits I'd hear Patton Oswald or, God forbid, Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do, doing on stage, you know. But just that, that type of comedy. Dave Chappelle, you know, d- stuff like that where it was like long, long forms, kind of story-based uh content that had long kind of meandering jokes jokes mixed in and then a big punchline big sort of ending at the end big closer um but the films this year my god the films of 2014 this is a this is a fantastic year for films i don't know if you've fire them off my dude is this is this the year of birdman this is the year of birdman yeah birdman i think was my favorite movie of this year but uh list them off my dude okay we got boyhood we got the Grand Budapest Hotel. We got Nightcrawler. We got Whiplash. We got Birdman. We got Interstellar. We got Gone Girl. We got Guardians of the Galaxy. We got the Lego movie. We've got uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Foxcatcher, Selma, The Imitation Game, Inherent Vice, The Babadook. We have... Uh, uh, the theory of everything. We have a most wanted man. We have John Wick. Uh, I mean, there's there's more movies, but like yeah, those are the those are pretty much the big those, ones. And yeah. this this is the year that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Oh yes, so, of course. Yeah. yeah, this was a really good year for movies. Whiplash, uh, Birdman. Um, boyhood those were those were i think probably the big three for me i guess 
Um, yeah, I was a huge Nebraska, fan of the. I don't know if Nebraska was this year. Or Nebraska might have been. Uh, I was a big fan of the Grand Budapest Hotel. That was something I uh, film I liked a lot. Grand Budapest. Oh, oh, Nebraska sorry, was Nebraska 2013. Was 2013. Yeah. 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 That was a good year. Uh, Birdman like blew my mind. Actually, Birdman. Uh, kicks ass i yeah, for, I like 100 percent forgot about that movie also interstellar which i think on a chucky dark episode i tell a story about <laughs> when i saw interstellar that uh is pretty funny so you should sign up to mm-hmm. the patreon absolutely sign up for that yeah um jeremy yeah you got anything else about 2014 Nah, let's get into it. <laughs> so we open on uh on a like uh, a title that says since the beginning of civilization, dolls have uh, been beloved by children, cherished by collectors, and used in religious rites as conduits for good and evil. Um, so now we are in uh, 1967 in Santa Monica. Uh, John and Mia Form are in church playing uh, thumb war, uh, <laughs> and then we meet uh, the the priest who they're friendly with, Father Perez. Um they uh eventually are at home and we see their 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 uh uh Mia is 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 sewing um which is something she does throughout the film and she kind of has a TV on in the background and they're covering the LaBianca murders right um, which i didn't i i did not expect at all i didn't know that this like tied in with the charles manson stuff but uh i don't think that it does but they definitely had that on to sort of get you thinking about stuff okay see i kind of the whole time was trying to figure out if the like initial like the two cult uh members were tied up in the manson family yeah so it was unclear though Right, you, no, for sure. It's definitely a weird red herring, and if you, I think if you if you're not like kind of like just freshly studied up on like S- Southern California's history with what was called the Satanic Panic, then yeah, it wouldn't have. Then you might have made that connection where there really is none. But basically, Southern California is riddled with what is co- called famously called the Satanic Panic, uh, where like for some reason everyone got obsessed with the devil like christians were obsessed with finding out if their neighbors were satanists uh people actually really were satanists the church of satan had never been more popular than it was also cults were springing up all over california at the time specifically probably all over the country but california specifically would had had this uh had this problem where a bunch of cult leaders just kind of sprang up out of nowhere and one of those was charles manson eventually uh we would see what happened with that but this what it wasn't uncommon there was like yeah along with the kind of as the hippies were dying out the hippie generation was dying out uh they kind of just turned a lot of it just turned into cultish weird behavior worshiping pagan things and right uh, and and even before that i think alistair crowley uh i can't remember if it was alistair crowley or some other guy who was around in like a little bit before the 60s -hmm. um in uh southern california 
with like a lot of, there was like a lot of the like psychedelic like elite in Southern California was like getting into this satanic movement that he had started and there was like there's a place in uh Pasadena I believe that's supposed to be like a portal was believed to be a portal to hell um right. there is a lot of like very crazy supernatural specifically satanic uh lore in southern california that's really interesting it's um, so interesting yeah. i find it fascinating it's, it's definitely one of those things that's really fun to research um although it does get really dark and a lot of people were you know thrown in prison wrongfully yeah. so <laughs> alistair crowley was the wrong guy but there there is a guy alistair crowley i think like started satanism or was like a pioneer of it or some shit but there's like uh I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I like vaguely know what I'm talking about, but Southern California definitely has like a big history with Satanism and stuff. So, um, right. Yeah. Anton, uh, Anton Zandor LaVey was, uh, Oh, maybe was, that's who I'm thinking. was, was doing his thing back in the sixties. Uh, he would have been about in his thirties back then, but, uh, he authored this satanic Bible, for example, like, okay. I mean, all of this stuff is just wild. Like it is just such a wild time because you know, the country, um, the United States has a rich history with Protestant Christianity. Like, and this was pissing off (laughs) the the true believers across the United States. Yeah. It's like the rise of the counterculture and mainstream media at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it just like freaked every, there was just, it was just overstimulating for everyone. Everyone was freaking out. Um, yeah. so yeah, this was this, I thought this was like a really great, uh, time to, to like set this in. Right. Well, um, it freaks, and, and it, 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 it's funny that there's that like news, that news story happening because it kind of frames exactly like what what that would have been like to like live in that time. Like you would, you turn on the TV and you'd see, you know, the, the Manson family murders or whatever on TV. And you'd just be at your house being like, I hope that doesn't happen to me. And I kind of feel like it's around every corner. Like it could easily, anyone could just bust through the door right now and just stab me to death. Uh, I think that that, like that kind of fear, that palpable fear just loomed over Southern California. This is also probably around the same time as the fucking Zodiac murders too. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we were Um, all scared. (laughs) I'm still scared. So, uh, John form, uh, a doctor presents his, uh, expecting wife Mia with a rare vintage porcelain doll as a gift for their first child. Uh, so she has apparently been looking for this doll for a long time, and she adds it to a a collection of uh, I'm going to describe as uh, very creepy dolls uh, in this in this future baby room. Um, what are your first ap- impressions of Annabelle? Annabelle's appearance. Uh, I mean, I hate it. <laughs> I'm just going to oh, say really? it right now. I yeah. don't like the I don't like the doll's look. I don't. I, I think we talked about this before already, but. I was never going to like it because I don't like the dolls are okay. A doll is already scary, but making a doll look intentionally scary is a hat on a hat. So yeah, it's like, I, I actually find the raggedy Ann doll way scarier and I wish they would have just used that. 
Right. The, yeah, this, this yeah. doesn't look like a doll. Like if a toy manufacturer made this doll, um, it, intending it to be like a fun thing for a child to have, they like failed at it terribly. Because it's, it's, it is, it, it does look just like a horror movie prop. Whereas Chucky is, um, you know, the good guy doll is, is like framed, um, right away in the beginning of Child's Play 1. You, you, you like yeah. see like the intention of Chucky and you see it, um, as it's intended to, to be, um, to be used and to, and, and to exist. And then it, and then yes. Charles Lee Ray kind of takes it over and makes it more evil. Whereas this doll, it just like shows up, and it's already scary. And it's kind of like, it seems out of character for this woman to like be so interested in these, because the yes. other dolls on that shelf are kind of creepy as well. And it, it was a little right. odd to me. Yeah, but they, but also Annabelle is objectively an ugly doll too. Like yeah. the other dolls on the shelf at least look like, like my grandma collected dolls and like, yes, they were all creepy, but they all weren't made to look creepy. Right. <laughs> they were all like supposed to look cute. Annabelle looks disgusting and doesn't fit with the other dolls stands out <laughs> among them. And, but the woman treats it like, she loves it and i wasn't buying it i just don't i think the doll looks scary i think they tried to make it look scary and i felt like it just felt a little too hot topicy for me i just wish it looked like a normal doll i think that would have scared me plenty <laughs> how how does this annabelle uh, stack up to chinga and the doll and living doll because those are both female dolls as well i believe Yes, Chinga and Living Doll both have the right idea, which is just make it a normal doll. Yeah. I think almost anything besides Annabelle has the right idea. Like Chucky is even the right idea because it's like the good guy doll is cute. It is like a cute little doll, you know? Right. So, yeah. Agreed. So that night, the couple, uh, they hear a scream next door. They go on over and find out their neighbors, the Higgins, were murdered. Um, Mia calls the cops and then they're attacked by the killers. Uh, really gruesome. They, I think they stab Mia in her pregnant belly. Yes. Um, which is, uh, gross. And, uh, the police arrive, (laughs) shoot one of the killers. Uh, the remaining killer, a female, uh, slits her own throat while holding, uh, Annabelle and her blood, a, b- a drop of her blood goes into Annabelle's eye. So this is something that I've like thought about like while I was watching this movie is, is this supposed to be like the impetus of like Annabelle's supernatural uh, uh, presence? Is this like the, that her blood going into Annabelle? Is that what started all of this? So, what I thought it was was that the woman whose blood got into the doll's eye, that yeah. woman's name is Annabelle. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Annabelle is actually this demonic cult member woman, and the doll was nothing, was just a doll, but then became possessed in that moment, I think, is what happened. I see. Yeah. It's it's very unclear cuz this it seems like they made a point to they they very 
they highlighted this moment. Like this is supposed to be my impression is this is supposed to be like an important kind of conception of whatever it is we're supposed to believe. Mm-hmm. But I, I was kind of cloudy on exactly the the premise or the logic of this, but um I don't know. Uh, uh I so think they, it is I think it is like it's so funny because this might be one of the only ways this film kind of relates back to child's play. But I think it is a situation where, especially once we start getting into the symbols, like the weird bloody symbol that's on the wall and then that matches the scar that's on uh, uh, Mia's arm later. But I think it is like she put her soul in the doll. Yeah. You know? Sort of like like Chucky was trying to do to Andy. It's just weird, like, it's just like a weird collection of events, like this woman, this guy gets this already creepy doll for his wife. Right. (laughs) And then, like, they get attacked by these cult members, and the blood goes into this doll that's, like, already, like, the doll from the, like, even before this, the blood drop incident is, like, presented as, like, terrifying, Right. So it's just it it's a little confusing. Anyway, uh they return home and uh John assures Mia that they cleaned the place up uh from the murders. Um Mia is at this point like very protective of her soon to be born baby. Um, right, and it's yeah, cuz the stab wound didn't actually hurt the baby, which is Yeah. crazy misdirect there, you think, right? Right. So some creepy things start to kind of come up. Um, at one point, the, the rocking chair with Annabelle on it is moving, which which was, I think, a good kind of like one of the first little supernatural things that happens. Um, John says he's going to a conference in Sacramento at some point. Um, so they speak to a detective um, and he reports that uh, they identified the woman as Higgins' estranged daughter, Annabelle, uh, and her unidentified boyfriend, and they were both members of a cult. Uh, he says that he can dig deeper and let them know more info, and Mia says she doesn't want to know. Um, Mia tells John to get rid of Annabelle, so he throws the doll in the trash. Uh <laughs> John leaves on his uh, on his vacation or or his conference to Sacramento, um, and uh, let's just say this is when stuff gets freaking weird. So uh, the <laughs> stove, I I really liked this moment. There, the, it, there's another moment where Mia is is sewing baby clothes, and uh, John had left uncooked popcorn on the stove from the night before and all of a sudden all of the burners on the stove start going hog wild and uh the popcorn pops burns um and i guess there does their house burn down is that what we're we are to believe because i know it starts a fire uh, I don't know if the house burns down. I think it just, I, but it might have just destroyed or damaged the house or enough. I, I, I guess I, I actually had a question about this. Did they move to the apartment because of the hauntings or because of the fire? 
See, that's what I'm confused about too. I don't know if the house burned down because it could be either. Because because we cut to Mia in the hospital, um, right? And, and she has given birth to a baby girl uh, who they name Leah, um, and John shows up. But after this, they immediately go to an apartment in Pasadena. Yes. And yeah, it's kind of unclear. Like, did that? My my interpretation is the house burned down. Although I could also see how uh they were freaked out by that and like the previous happenings and decided to move i don't know it was it was yet another thing that was like kind of unclear to me but i know that this is a hundred percent clear to me eric if you're ever in a house and yeah. some devil worshipers break in stab you in the tummy and then later, you burn some popcorn so bad, it catches your kitchen on fire? You got to get out of there, my dude. I mean, my first instinct, <laughs> Pasadena, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving living straight to the Dina. Where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Santa Mon- I, I, I'm moving straight from Santa Monica to Pasadena, from paradise to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm gonna punish myself for uh, being attacked by by murderers. No, Pasadena's all right. Um, yeah, I'm going from the West Side comedy house <laughs> to the Ice House. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's see here. Uh, the family rents an apartment uh, in P Town, Pasadena, and uh, Mia finds the doll that John had thrown away. Um, she. It's kind of like now accepting of the doll and she wants to keep it and kind of like face her past traumas or whatever. Does anybody um, suspect the doll? Like, why did he try to throw away the doll? Did, were, did Was that clear to you? Well, he he threw it away. She told him to throw it away because okay, it reminded great. her of uh, the, the murders. Yes. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. That was something uh, that I yeah. also was a little unclear on. And look, folks, <laughs> we both watched this film, okay? <laughs> this is like two people who have seen the film. We're not asking yeah, these j- questions because we're idiots. We're asking because it's unclear. <laughs> Jeremy literally finished watching this movie right before we started recording. Yes. Um, yeah. So more paranormal shit happens, um, specifically to Mia and, and Leah, uh, the ni- that night, Mia is haunted by a malevolent presence um, in her apartment, and she thinks it's Annabelle's ghost. Uh, this was spooky. I liked, you know, while the while a lot of things were kind of unclear and the logic was weird in this, uh, all of the all of the like actual horror moments worked really well for me, uh, aesthetically and just like. I I don't know they, like this moment where where we first see Annabelle's ghost was I thought really well done, and there's a few later on that I that I really liked. There's um one scene we'll get to it here pretty soon that I thought was gangbusters. I thought it was an A plus moment. Uh, I think that it's the only real sequence that I found to be like. How, like good at all like or powerful at all or it worked for me i it, the rest of these sort of work but i think that it's whenever i see a little a, like a little girl kind of walking around like that i immediately think like the grudge or the ring 
And I think yeah. I got so fatigued out on that back in the early 2000s, the early aughts. I mean, it's right. just like everything had to be a little girl in pajamas walking around barefoot, you know, with all of her hair in her face. Yeah. And that's sort of what this film does, which is weird because and what people are afraid of and what they're walking into is Annabelle, the doll. But it's not really the doll that ever really does anything. And I think that's one of the biggest problems I have with the film is that we're not being haunted necessarily by anything specific. It's just sort of general scarities. And I think uh, we'll get to it here pretty soon, but yeah, but, uh, but there's a scene coming up. that's really, really good. And I think really works, but this Jeremy, scene, just a quick know. aside, we're getting to like the, the scary meat of this film. And, yes. uh, the, uh, I'm looking outside at the, basically a forest. Oh. Um, the, the, the garage door is open the sun has completely gone down. Yeah. Uh, it. I'm looking into like a pitch black abyss, and it has started raining and lightning. Uh, and I'm just alone in this like garage in in like a wooded area. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> very that's, very appropriate uh, setting to be recording this podcast in. That's that is amazing. I love that. I also love that. This film could probably see. I watched Annabelle in the middle of the day, and and yeah, in Cal and Cali and SoCal, it is uh, sunny as hell, my dude. It is seven twenty here, and and the sun is shining. It's just now starting to go down. It's about magic hour for all you film buffs out there. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's like context is everything. You know, Annabelle can probably would have probably scared me a lot more had I watched it later and been near the woods. Yeah, I'm in Transylvania in Dracula's <laughs> castle, so it's a little different for me. Describe uh, the books on his shelf, please. <laughs> He's reading holes. Uh, so let's see. Mia meets some kids on the stairs. Uh, later, she finds a drawings uh, of a ch- of a baby in a carriage getting hit by a, a truck. Um, during a storm, Mia encounters. A figure in the building's basement who pursues her uh, before she escapes. Um, this was good, I thought. This whole like thing where she goes into the elevator. Uh, I was about to laugh so hard that you—that's all you were gonna say about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> this this scene, like, oh, she goes to the basement and then gets away somehow. Like that's like that was like the yeah. sentence. This is like very intense. Actually, that this, was. This, this is scene. the only scene in the film that actually worked for me, and yeah. I and, and there's a lot more to it than she just goes to the basement and escapes. You know what I mean? Like, it is. Um, it is particularly well done where she is. First of all, it's like raining, right? It's like raining and like there's water everywhere. That's, that's yeah. part of it, right? There's like water dripping water. It's like maybe like lightly flooding, definitely leaking from somewhere. She's go, she goes down to the basement. I don't remember why she goes down there, but um, she ends yeah. up, she ends up like seeing a cradle, like a dark cradle at the end of the, long corridor of the yeah, basement. Yeah, when you're in a yeah. long corridor, uh, that's one of the creepier things to see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, The Shining used long corridors the entire film to illustrate <laughs> yeah. horror, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she runs up to this baby carriage She, she that's crying, by the way. We hear the incessant cry, crying so loud, my dog woke up and came into the room. <laughs> um, 
the there's bloody uh, clothes inside of the cr- uh, of the stroller. Sorry, stroller, not cradle. Stroller. Uh, when she goes to she t- picks up the clothes, I believe, and then is immediately hand grabbing arm <laughs> scene. Yeah, it burns a fucking tattoo of a weird cultish symbol into her arm. She yeah. then runs to the elevator and hits the button, and it's like already so terrifying the whole sequence that when she makes it in the elevator, you immediately feel oh, you can catch your breath, but then the elevator just opens right back up and it's like, it, it will not yeah. move. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Scary it's stuff. It's so good. It's so well done. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it never cuts either. So you're just in the elevator with her the whole time. And it's just like, she thinks she's going to go up and she's like, oh, thank God. And then it just opens right back up to just like this disgusting, dark, terrible uh, place of danger it closes mm-hmm. again, opens back up, closes. I mean, it's so fucking good, man. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and the next morning, she, she has an A. It's like a weird A, capital yeah. A-shaped cut on her arm that, that disappears in the morning. Um, so Mia uh, goes back to speak with uh, Detective Clarkin uh, to get more info about Annabelle and the cult, um, and learns that they uh, intend to summon supernatural beings. Uh, she sees a photo of a cult girl uh, and recognizes the girl that attacked her um, in that photo. Um, she learns about, I, I think the cult is called Disciples of Iran or something along those lines. Uh, so uh, the, the Disciples of the Ram? Aran, I thought it was like Aaron or Aran, uh, but I don't know. Oh. I could have misheard it. Oh wait, is that is could that be the Ram? I think because remember they're wearing the belts that have a ram, like ram, oh, okay. a that ram's face and ram horns on them. I thought it was like a a ram, but is it a ram? It might be. No, ram. I don't know. You're probably right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's the Ram. Yeah, it's Disciples of the Ram. So, like, that is uh, obviously an allusion to, like, a pagan-type demonic. They're just super into the L.A. Rams because it's Southern California. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, with the help of a bookseller uh, and fellow tenant, Evelyn, uh, Mia realizes the cult practice devil worship summoning a demon who followed the family after they moved to uh, claim a soul. Um, so a baby carriage, uh, Mia witnesses her a baby carriage gets smashed by a truck, like in the picture that she saw. Um, upon returning home, Mia and Leah are attacked by a demon who reveals itself while manipulating the doll. Um, I thought th- this whole moment worked really well for me too with like the books falling around the baby and um, when Annabelle starts kind of like the doll starts kind of levitating and then we find we see the demon behind it. Um, I thought that was really good. That, that was kind of reminiscent of like the first Conjuring kind of style. 
Yeah. Also, during that elevator sequence, we see that devil, horned devil man's yeah. face uh, when she's like, she has like one last look back behind her and in the darkness, he's sort of staring. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I did kind of think in this moment it was the doll that was going to do something. <laughs> yeah, me too. But instead, it l- very much appeared to be this devil thing holding the doll up. I believe, right? Years. Yeah. Years. Um, so Mia and John bring bring the priest over, and Father Perez tells them that the demons sometimes attach themselves to inanimate objects to accomplish their goals and that a human soul must be offered uh, for a purpose. Uh, Perez takes the doll and leaves, um, and uh, the uh, demon impersonating Annabelle's spirit, of course, attacks Father Perez, grabs the doll. Uh, Father Perez is hospitalized. Um, After he's John- thrown and thrown from a uh, from the chapel, right from the like the the church. Yeah, that'll get you into a hospital, I think. I thought he was dead, dude. I, I thought know, there, was like a, there was like a pool of blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pool of blood generally is not a good sign. I mean, I'm not a <laughs> no. doctor of any kind. I'm no, I'm no John Form, but I, pr- uh, I pronounce this this guy uh, pool of blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I now pronounce you man in pool of blood. So uh, John <laughs> checks on uh, Father Perez, uh, and Father Perez warns him that the demon's true intention is to claim Mia's soul. Um, Mia tries to jump out of a window with the doll when John arrives with Evelyn. Uh, Evelyn decides to take her life in Mia's place instead uh, as atonement for causing her uh, car accident that killed her daughter. Uh, As the forms are reunited, the demon and the doll disappear while Leah is safely inside her crib. Um, We cut to six months later. The doll is... uh, Bought from the antique store, for or from an antique store by a mother as a gift for her daughter Debbie, uh, one of the nursing students uh, from the Prelude from The Conjuring. So oh. I didn't. It's been like long enough where I didn't like recognize that uh, since I've seen The Conjuring. But once I read that, I thought that was kind of clever, I guess. Um, and yeah, that's that's Annabelle. Huh. Yeah. Nice. What'd you think? <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's weird. This one, this one actually, I turned a little bit around on this film once I started researching a little bit into the making of it. I don't really love that Warner Brothers was like, you know what, we're just going to cash in on this good franchise and make a cheap piece of shit that just makes us money. <laughs> like, I, don't really, I don't like the yeah. conniving aspect weird. of it, but I do like that it was a very low budget film that employed a very small production team that was done so well for considering the budget and the circumstance. It has no star power whatsoever. I mean, it's yeah. sort of like uh, writing on writing on its premise, which is, albeit borrowing from a million other premises, but it is still, I don't know, I, that, that kind of charmed me. And the fact that it made so much money also kind of charmed me. I liked that it was so successful, even though it came from something that was so uh, low budget. I 
do not like the story. I don't like the main characters at all. I don't like the cast at all. I don't think I don't think I liked anyone in this film. I didn't I, I liked the I liked the mom I like Mia. Yeah. Um I thought Mia was good, but the rest I was was whatever. Yeah. I obligatory priest character, cool yeah. nanny, uh straight laced husband. I mean it just uh, did nothing really did it for me. Uh, yeah, uh, creepy devil cult stuff I like, but they didn't really like you compare that to a film like Hereditary, you know, where yeah. it's like, wow, that delivers on its premise in spades. <laughs> Uh yeah, I think I think I really like that elevator scene, and you know I don't know it wasn't a complete waste of an hour and a half. What did you think, Eric? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I had um I definitely had low expectations going in. Uh, I I like the Conjuring, uh, the two that I've seen from like the main. Uh, movies from the universe um i thought the nun sucked and uh <laughs> i i guess i had a little bit of hope for this one just because there are two sequels to it um and it's like uh, this very first sequel ish to to the conjuring um my uh my whole thing is i i don't want to see like I don't want to see like a genuine non campy uh, toy to life story. Um, I think I had the same problem with Curse of Chucky because like Curse of Chucky is, I guess, arguably in like a similar tone to this movie where there's like no humor in it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, And I just think that like a toy to life thing is so. Like when we watched the like the Living Doll Twilight Zone episode, there's no humor in that. But that's because that's like a new concept at that point. That con that's like fifty years ago, and that concept was j- like just invented. Uh, whereas nowadays, and even back in like '89 or '88 when the first Child's Play came out, like that concept has been around for a while, and I think it has kind of evolved to a point where you, you we all know it well enough where it it kind of has to have something else whether it be humor or i guess whatever more of like mystery or something but i don't know i just found that this movie was like took itself too seriously i think for what it is because the logic is very flimsy um that that is like a thing that's very overlooked by horror filmmakers, especially modern horror filmmakers, in my opinion, is there's people like me that aren't going to give a shit about the rest of the movie if the setup is weak. Like, the setup th- to this movie is very weak to me, and it, and it leaves a lot mm. to be desired. Uh, that being said, I I was reminded of... In, of the joy and fear that I felt watching the conjuring for the first time. There's some moments in this film reminiscent to that. Uh, I guess like the elevator scene and the moment where the second time we see the demon guy, I guess that's like the last one. Uh, the, the moment where the popcorn was, was the burners were going on the stove was pretty intense for me, but 
yeah, overall, uh, I don't know. What I, I'll never see this movie again, and I, <laughs> I'm never going to intentionally watch the sequels to this. I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, it was it was fine. It was whatever in terms of like compared to Chucky. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, this doll takes it. First of all, this isn't even necessarily a toy to life. Like, I'm still exactly. confused if this is like. I still don't even know like what role Annabelle plays or I don't even know which one's and like, I don't know. I'm saying Annabelle the doll, but I don't know like which role the doll plays in this movie. Like, yes, yes. It doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and it's my understanding is that like the doll isn't even really like the scary part about the movie. The doll is just like a vehicle for something else that, is cloudy to me. Um, yeah, I think so. This, this is a little bit of a a little bit of a tease for a Chucky Dark episode. Uh, God damn it! I'm gonna have to add it back <laughs> <over> that. <Jeremy. laughs> it's but it is it is. I want to tease this out a little bit because uh, we're about to record basically our top five horror films of yes, all sir. time here coming up pretty soon. And very excited. And and I when I look at some of the other of my top five horror films that are not that are that where the premise is not something is after someone, where yeah. it is sort of more of an ethereal uh, ghost or haunting or random hauntings or place full of ghosts, so to speak. It's all going in one direction. In, those, in, in, in my favorite films, it's going in a direction that, like, makes sense and delivers upon its original premise, right? Yeah. I do not care for these sort of modern horror films, even The Conjuring, where the story behind the ghosts or the things haunting the person isn't that important. Thus, it can kind of be anything. Like, let's just turn all the burners on, right? Well, why? Why did yeah. you turn all the burners on? Like, now, if the premise is the little girl died in a fire when she was little, oh, okay, now that delivers on a premise that this this little girl uses fire to punish everyone who comes into this house or something to that effect. What I just right. said there was a very weak premise, but it's still something, and it's still going in a direction, whereas this was just like we're kind of just picking on this woman as demons. We're just picking on this woman, but it didn't seem like it mat. It didn't seem like it made any sense. Like it didn't it matter. It didn't like, you know, like I, I, and I'm always like, I always ask myself this question in a horror film. Why aren't they doing it quicker? Like, why is the demons waiting so long? Right. Like why, if this is really just about this, why aren't they doing it immediately and doing it faster? Yeah. Now, on top of that, the movie's paced incredible. I mean, I almost don't even want to pick on the film anymore because it's not, it's admittedly doesn't deserve the type of cr- film criticism that some of the other movies we've covered on the show do because it's just not that good. Uh, yeah. The pacing's bad, okay? It's really yeah. bad. <laughs> the pacing is really slow. But uh, also, the freaking doll doesn't do anything. Like, the doll is yeah. not what's scary about it at all. It's like this ring girl and then a devil man presence. And then just spooks and jump scares. But like the doll, like she kind of stands up at one point and that's really it, man. Can you think of another time when the doll actually physically did anything? 
No. Uh, the only time where I thought the doll was actually going to do something was when it started levitating, and then it turned out it was a demon <laughs> holding it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I... I, I mean, as crazy as the whole voodoo, Haitian voodoo thing is with with uh, with Chucky, it, it at least has like whether you can buy into it or not, it has an explanation like this. The Annabelle doll has no real explanation and it's it's a little frustrating. Um, so, yeah, at a certain point, I kind of had to just like turn my brain off and just watch this movie for like the visual and mental stimulation of i don't know it has all the resources of like a horror movie that could be good it's just all it's all writing basically it's all the the way that it was written and rushed into production um so yeah i agree uh cool so do you have any uh do you have anything you wanted to plug jeremy before we uh sign off Absolutely not. Uh, I'm very excited about the the future episodes we have coming out, not just on this show, but on um, our other Patreon exclusive show, of which I will not say. (laughs) Yes, CD. Uh, Yeah. And then, you know, uh, look out for once we're kind of done with the Toys to Life series of of films that we're going to do and other Chucky verse related content, we're going to move into, I still believe it's the Final Destination films. Which yes. is going to be something. Uh, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Uh, Eric, you got anything you want to plug? No, just keep keep listening. And uh, keep this chucking. is a very... Um, yeah, this is a very uh, a democratic podcast, I'm going to say. I, we want to... We want to cover what the people want to listen to, basically. So uh, it sounds like what people want to hear is us cover the final destinations, which, which I'm very excited about. Um, but you can always tweet at us at ChuckyRules420 at gmail.com. Uh, or or that's our that's our uh, Gmail, but you can also tweet at us at ChuckyRules420. And um, yeah, let us know what you want us to cover next. And uh, that's... That's pretty much it. I don't have anything else going on. Uh, I think we're going to be <laughs> releasing a, uh, a bonus episode for free just to give you a little taste of uh, what you can get for a mere $5 a month. There's also a $1 a month tier where we'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, that goes a long way. It really does. Like If you uh, sign up for just a simple $1 a month I mean, that's absolutely nothing for, for most people. Uh, and it really helps Jeremy and I out a lot. Uh, I don't have a job right now. Jeremy uh, would also appreciate uh, a little bit of help. And we're, we're basically, we're, we're trying to uh, get more guests on the show. Um, we've had a couple on so far, and it would be nice if we could give them a little bit of money. It would be nice if we could uh you know make a little bit of money from from doing this so uh yeah. whatever you could do also if you just want to listen to the free episodes that's totally fine too we're we're happy to have anyone uh you know uh listen to us and uh, yeah i would say if you're tight on cash and you know you don't want to subscribe or donate to the show uh, rate us on itunes give us a five, you know punch in a five star and give us a good review and we'll read it on air we love that yeah, there's tons of stuff you can do to support the show, and you you also don't have to do any of that. Uh, it's a free country, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but ours is the best. Jeremy, I just have one <laughs> more thing <laughs> I would like to say to you. 
before we sign off. Yes, sir. This is the end, friend. (laughs) 